You are listening to Changing Hearts, Changing Lives, a seminar given by Changing Lives Ministries. David Pallison is a counselor and faculty member with a Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, as well as the editor of the Journal of Biblical Counseling, a publication of CCEF. Session three. What do I have here? It's a map. Map of Philadelphia, isn't it? Now, it doesn't look much like Philadelphia, you might say. I mean, goodness gracious. Where's the buildings? Where's the people? Where's the life? Where's the river? Where's the rowers out on the river? Where's Camden across the river? Where's the aquarium, the art museum? It doesn't look a bit like Philadelphia. But as a map, this is an infallible guide that will get you around Philadelphia without being lost. This will orient you to a city, a big city, a complicated city. And it's something a little bit like that is on the beginning of our first section here. As you see this funny, odd, complex little picture. This is a map. It is a map that I intend you become familiar with. Just like this map of Philadelphia, you walk around on those streets, you drive those streets, you go up those buildings, you look around, you smell the smells, taste the taste, talk to the people, and pretty soon you start to get a feel for how this particular city works. Well, what I've got here, what I want us to think about together, is you might call it a map of the way our lives work, the way that God's work works the way that our hearts work, the the interaction between our sufferings and our circumstances and what it is that rules us. And how is it that Jesus Christ, who has loved us, how does he step into this mix and not just be a bunch of doctrines and theories that's seemingly far away from where we struggle? It's a map of your life. And my intent is that we would become familiar with this map by starting to put your life the way you think, what you face, what you experience, to start to put that into the map, start to walk around a bit. And I would like for us to jump right to the chase and have us start at the top of the picture with what we are going to be calling the heat. The heat. By the heat, what I mean is everything that's not you, everything that's in the world around you, it's the people in your life, it's, well, it is you, it's, it's your health, Everything that's not you as a moral responder, as a person who thinks, feels, chooses, acts, your health, your finances, your race, your social circumstances, the injustices you face, the blessings you face, the opportunities, you name it. Everything that's around you. What is your situation? That's going to be our first question, and we're going to work our way down through the map from situation to the ways we respond and why, and how is it then that we as men and women in need of change start to change. And what is that trajectory of change? What is the direction of change? What does it look like, think like, feel like, talk like, want like? How does it operate? And I want us to start with a very simple life situation. Uh, Paul Tripp's not the only person that was ever stuck in traffic when he had somewhere he wanted to go. And I would like you to imagine yourself Stuck in traffic. Stuck in traffic. You know, out on the highway or whatever's the point of reference for you. And then add to that, you've got, it's a very important appointment. 
You know, maybe it's a doctor's visit and there's been some serious things that seemingly wrong. It's a very important appointment or uh, to, to, with the doctor to try to get that checked out. Or, or maybe you're a business, business uh, salesperson and you, you've got an important sales call. This is the one you've been building towards for four months. This is the one that makes the difference between your, your year being a struggle and your year having some flush to it. it uh, big sales call. Maybe it's a, 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 an important appointment with somebody that you were alienated from. They always felt like you let them down. And they wrote you out of their life, and you managed to go back and say, let's get together for lunch. The person agreed. And here you are, stuck out on your highway, and Department of Transportation has decided to shut down lanes. And the appointment is for 12 o'clock, and it's now 10 minutes to 12, and you haven't moved in half an hour. And where you're going is still 20 minutes away. And you're left with plenty of time, but there you are, stuck in traffic. You're not going to get there. And to just make sure we update the story right into the present, and your cell phone is out of battery power or between zones or something like this. So there is no way you can call the doctor, call the, the business you're selling to, call the old estranged friend. They will never know. You are going to let that friend down again. You're going to not show up for the most important sales call. You're going to stand up the doctor who worked around his lunch hour to give you a special opportunity to come visit. And you can do nothing to communicate. Now, everything we've mentioned there is heat, isn't it? We didn't say a thing about how you reacted. Nothing about how you took it, how you processed it, what came out of your mouth, what ran through your mind and heart. It's all your circumstances, isn't it? It is what we are calling the heat. And the heat is, uh, the, 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 there is no human moment that is somehow off on a mountaintop, you and God alone. The way God has designed his world, our lives are always planted right in the midst of real stuff. Heat, events, circumstances, people, things that are happening. Being stuck in traffic, important appointment, is one particular kind. Now, you're in the circumstance, and you react in some way or other, right? And no one, could pr no one can script that reaction. It's this that we're calling the thorns, the bad fruit. Think of this as the thorn bush. It's that side of the stage, as it were. The uh, something ugly, gnarly, thorny, completely unnutritious. It's the typical human reactions to being stuck in traffic. So I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm not looking for a statement of how far you have progressed and how mature you are and what you ought to do. We're looking for where do you tend to lose it and to blow it. Because we all do. We are, at minimum, we're tempted. At maximum, we outright sin. And the people we minister to, at minimum, they blow it, and maximum, they outright sin. And so this is the stuff of life. It's the stuff of ministry, isn't it? How do you react in that circumstance? And here's some of the typical cactus, thornbush-type reactions that people have. For example, maybe the most common is something in the anger family. I am not a happy camper. You know. I don't like this. And maybe it comes out in words. Maybe you, maybe you actually say, maybe you may, it, sounds come out of your mouth. You know, maybe there's gestures. You hit your, your dashboard. Maybe four-letter words form in your minds, words you haven't uttered in 15 years since you became a Christian. Maybe you utter those words because you're in the privacy of your little cubicle, your, uh, your car. Uh, maybe you find yourself, uh, although... 
well, maybe this is just a Philadelphia problem, but in Philadelphia, the rule is where the, where the lanes are all crunching down to one, the rule is you look absolutely straight ahead. <laughs> you do not look to the side, and you get right up on the bumper of the guy in front of you, and you don't make eye contact, because if you do, you lose. Right? If they know you see them, then you've got to let them in. And so you press right up against the bumper, and there's, it's dog-eat-dog, dog, nature red and tooth and claw, survival of the fittest, and you're just about darn near going to kill somebody to get that 168 inches further along so that when you finally do get to where you're going, you're going to be about four seconds earlier while you're a half hour late anyway. It, uh, but we, we, we fight, right? We grumble. We argue. We're angry. We're upset. You know, steam coming out our ears. Something in the grumbling family, real typical. Or maybe it's a different kind of reaction, right? Maybe it's something more in the fear, anxiety side of the spectrum. Maybe it's the doctor's appointment. And you're there, and maybe some of you have, can identify with this exact example. You're there, stuck in traffic, and you're watching in the theater of your mind your funeral. Because it was colon cancer, and you missed the appointment. The doc couldn't see you for another month. And you know, kind of for one of a nail, the shoe was lost, and one of a shoe, the soldier was lost, and one of a soldier, the battle was lost, and one of a battle, the kingdom was lost, and because I didn't get to the doctor, I died. And in my mind, I'm watching my relatives sorrowing and hearing the music, and I'm anxious and frustrated. At, uh, or maybe I'm imagining, maybe quite accurately, fear scenarios playing of what that old alienated friend is thinking about now. I wonder if he or she is going to stand me up yet again, and lo and behold, you are. And you can, you can almost see the wheels working. Your mind is playing very actively, and you're anxious. You're afraid. You're fearful. Maybe you're running late for the business appointment, and in the last 10 minutes, you've recalculated your net worth three times, right? Nothing wrong with calculating it once, I suppose, but by the second, the third, the fourth, you know, you're going, over, you're going over, round, 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 round. There's something wrong with that, isn't it? It's called worry. Worry, it's just, it's got you. And you're worrying stuck in traffic there. Or maybe a third typical human reaction is something in the uh, escapism category. You know, you just happen to have an extra large bag of peanut M&Ms sitting in your front seat. And you know the way you're supposed to eat an M&M. You take one, right? And you put it in your mouth, and you suck off the hard candy coating and kind of chew the chocolate, you know, kind of suck the chocolate down, and then finally chew up the peanut. But you're not doing that. You pick up that bag of M&Ms, and you pour it down in your mouth, and you chomp, 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 and then you pour more, and then the bag's gone, and you go looking for another one. It, uh, what, it, what, what's going on with that? Well, it's, our, it's the escapisms, right? It's the... If it gets worse than that, it's the addictions, right? We're starting with very small stuff. We're actually starting the way the Bible does. It starts with the most mundane little parts of life. No temptation is overtaking it. It's not common to all. And then it builds up to the most complex stuff. You know, you're probably not sticking a needle in your veins out there on the, on the, uh, on the highway, stuck in traffic. But it's the same dynamic of, of finding some little feel-good in the midst of a situation that seems intolerable, isn't it? Or maybe you find yourself, another escapism thing, you find yourself channel surfing through the, through the radio dial. Uh, 
And none of the channels quite satisfy you. So there's a restless quality. You're trying to find something, something to make you feel better, something to make you calm, something to bring peace into a world that doesn't feel very good. How are you reacting? Typical stuff. And then we move on to question three. And this is the, this is the, the, the question that Paul started to introduce us to in the la our last session together. It's asking the question, why? Why do you lose it? Why anger? Why aggressive driving? You know, complete forgetfulness about, you know, consider the interests of others and all those sorts of things. Why anxiety, preoccupation, brooding? Why gluttony and anxious, worrisome type uh, escapism? And it's the issue of the heart. And I've given you a couple of questions here. Two ways to come at the heart. There's many others, but two very key ways that Paul started to introduce. What do you want? What do you believe? Because what happens in situations like this, as from as tiny as you're stuck in traffic to as major as you got betrayed by somebody you trusted, from as tiny as you got allergies to as major as you just got a, a, a fatal cancer diagnosis, what happens to us, as Paul said, it's not what happened, it's how I interpret it and what I want that I bring to it. And so you think about those particular thorny reactions that we just talked about, those forms of foolishness, of sinfulness that we mentioned. Where do they come from? Why do I do that? And I'll give you a sampler here. Again, we're just feeling our way in with a, with a, with a very simple case study that, into which every one of us can put our lives. Why do I do those things? Here's, start with the anger. Why the anger? Here's maybe the most basic reason. It's just simply, I want to get where I want to go when I want to get there. Thank you very much. It's naked pride. My will be done. I am God, and I am mad, and I'm going to fight you and not let you merge because I want my way. It's some pretty basic stuff. Maybe it's something a little more subtle. Maybe it's what the Bible calls the fear of man, that the real reason I'm so bothered at the thought of that person uh, who, who I'm not going to be able to have lunch with, is I'm afraid that he or she is going to wreck my reputation, and they're going to not like me, and I just can't stand not being liked. My life is keyed to the opinions of others, and so I'm very anxious at any kind of situation that might threaten that, right? Or maybe there you are, you're the salesperson, you're going to the big sales event, you haven't been, you're not going to get there, you're recalculating your net worth, you're starting to get sweat under your arms, butterflies in the stomach. You are what Jesus calls a mammon worshiper, right? You serve either God or mammon. Here we're in a world God has provided for your needs. You have not starved. You will not starve because this sales call did not happen. And yet you're gripped by the money and what you might and what you want to get with that money and the security that that money means or the identity you get out of that money. Mammon worship that is there. Um, Basic, fundamental things that we want, we fear, we believe. Take the doctor situation, right? We who, who know the Savior of the world who was raised from the dead, we say, I believe in the resurrection from the dead and the, and the life everlasting. I believe that there is a day when the trumpet sounds and we will see him face to face and every tear will be wiped away and the battle will be, run, will be over and the race will be run and all manner of ill will be made well. 
And yet, at that moment, stuck out on the highway, that's not what is controlling. That belief is not controlling my heart, is it? It is the the belief in the salvific power of modern medicine that somehow life and death is in the hands of that specialist, that internist who is going to examine me. I'm not arguing don't go to the doctor, right? But what am I investing in my going? How, How heavy is it? What does it mean that I'm going? And why am I having a panic attack or horsing down M&Ms, as it were, uh, or getting angry at the Department of Transportation if it's not that somehow I I have a functional belief that medicine saves. In fact, my appointment at noon saves, and not to have that appointment kills. You see, there's dislocations of my faith, my desires, my fears, my hopes, where I take refuge, what I love, All those verbs that relate us to God get other objects attached at the end of them. You might say that what happens is my heart gets hijacked. Hijacker sees the controls. Other things preoccupy me, what I love and want. That's that issue of the heart. That's that that thing that, that lies below and beneath, you might say, the anger, the fears, the depression, the addictions, the escapisms and so forth. And after all, we're just picking a, we're picking a really little example, aren't we? And yet, from God's point of view, there are no little moments, are there? In fact, Jesus says that we will be judged for every careless word that comes out of our mouth. There's no word that does not have weight. There's no word that does not emerge. No word, no thought, no attitude that does not play out tremendously important issues. Right? I mean, here we are. We're just talking about being stuck in traffic and having a little, traffic, a little temper tantrum. And yet what's playing out is unbelief, idolatry, lust, fear of the wrong thing, mammon worship. Just stuck on the highway, right? And there are consequences, aren't there? We reap what we sow. Here's this, other part, this uh, fourth part of our picture. What are the consequences of where my life has become dislocated? What does happen? Now, some of it may be simply emotional. You know, I become emotionally disheveled, you might say. You know, I turn into a wreck. Maybe when I show up finally at the sales call, you've seen people like this. Maybe you've been there all emotionally upset and trying to blame the Department of Transportation and cover your own hind end and pour blame on somebody else. And uh, maybe a traffic accident happens. You know, everybody's pushing in and you get a little fender bender. So now you're out your 250 deductible on your insurance as well as everything else bad that's happened. Maybe something really tragic happens. There was a situation in our city, Philadelphia, a couple of years ago, one of these traffic situations. Somebody cut somebody else off, guy didn't like it, made an obscene gesture. The guy who was the recipient of this obscene gesture pulled out a gun, fired, and the man's wife was killed. So here you are, what's his heat? Well, this idiot cut me off. His reaction, obscene gesture. What ruled his heart? You don't step on me. My will be done. Consequences, question four. My wife is bleeding to death on the front seat beside me. It's not always that dramatic. It's, it's, uh, sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's major. It, uh, but there are consequences to the way we react, aren't there? Those first four questions are the vicious circle, the merry-go-round, on which people get stuck. In fact, their whole lives get stuck, don't they? It is of the nature of redemption in Christ to break into that merry-go-round. 
to break into that vicious circle and start to create a gracious circle, there is a way off the merry-go-round. And that's this third tree in the center, right? It's this, who is God anyway? What does he say? What does he do in Christ? What, who is he? It's this redeemer who is the bridge between thorn and fruit tree, between sin and righteousness, between hate and anxiety and despair and addiction and purpose and love. And it's this, this, this person is the bridge. And what does the Bible say? Does the, the Bible doesn't talk about, doesn't have your name in it with your little traffic jam in your little county or town, does it? But, you know, it does have it in it. You just have to listen in the right way. Because the Bible says many things that apply directly to your situation. For starters, God rules all things. This traffic jam is not an accident. Your health is not just random bad luck what might happen. Your finances are not out of the hands of the one who provides daily bread. God rules. This is his world. He holds the atoms together. He rules all history. And that doesn't just mean who's going to be the next president or who was the king back in 1452 in Spain. He rules all history means he rules when there's traffic and when the phone rings and what appointments you get to or don't get to. He rules. Is that not relevant? I get stuck in traffic. I get full of my typical sins. I forget, don't I? I forget that he rules. I live as though it's just me and my problems going at it mano a mano. No one in control of my world except me, is it, right? The, uh, I forget other things it says. The word of God is a mirror and a lamp, isn't it? It's a mirror that shows me myself. I'm able to see it. That little tantrum or that feeling of anxiety or that uh, escapism, that's not just nothing or a bad habit or everybody's like that. It's what the Bible calls sin. It's an offense against God that reflects that some other God has hijacked the title to my heart. It's the word is a mirror. The mirror shows me who I really am, as Paul was saying last session. Shows me the nature of that cactus and heart that is wrong. And the word is also a lamp. It shows me what ought to be. It shows me the fruit tree on the other side. It shows me what ought to be and where I'm going and what it would mean to be trusting, grateful, constructive, loving. But we all know the law has no power, right? The mirror and the lamp don't have power to change such as we are. There is a redeemer. The word says that too. This God, this big circle of the God who is in control of all things and speaks to all things and sees all things and enters circumstances, it speaks of a redeemer. That there's one who forgives sin. And I'll quote a couple of verses after the passage Paul ended with from Hebrews 4 last session. That it says that we are called to come with confidence to a throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And here I am stuck in traffic, and I need mercy. I've been full of pride, full of mammon worship, false belief system about modern medicine, you know, fear of man. I need mercy. I've been angry. I've cursed. I haven't considered the interests of others. I've, you know, been gluttonous for M&Ms. I need mercy. And grace to help us in our time of need. The power to be different in the time of need, right? in the time of trouble, in the very moment when I'm out on the highway, stuck in the traffic jam, and I've just lost it. Grace to help in time 
of need. And I need it also so, what the Bible says over and over. He is faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful. He won't let you go. Yes. There's a transaction that happens, this good root. We move on the basis of the revelation of the Savior of the world. Our hearts are reoriented and retooled. We are, and you'll notice here that this, these next two, the good root and the good fruit, are not put in the form of questions. They're put in the form of action. Transaction first. Seek God in repentance and faith. I turn to Him. I ask His forgiveness. I, 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 I say, forgive me for what I've done wrong. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for living as though I had to control my world. Forgive me. And then I trust what is true, and I, pers- and, I, and I pursue that grace and mercy that was promised. I need help from someone who is a helper. And the answer is not a system, right? It's not a truth. It's a person who is true, who intervenes into traffic jams as well as hell holes far worse. A Savior, a real Savior for where we need saving. There's a transaction and in that moment, on that highway, at, f- at five minutes to 12, God can be sought and found. If you seek me, you will find me, right? He doesn't just mean thinking good thoughts. He means seeking a person. And out of that, there's good fruit. And notice here, too, it's not a question. It's a direction, right? It's an action. Transaction with God, action into my world to respond with love. Now, I'm stuck in traffic. There's not a whole lot of things I can do. But you know, there is. Even something as, as, as tiny as this sort of situation, there's a place for love and good works to come forth. For starters, I might want to wave a couple people in. Who'd have thought of that? Make a little eye contact, right? And now in Philadelphia, you probably shouldn't wave too many people in, or the guy behind you will pull out his gun, you know, and blow you away. But, but, the, uh, but you can at least spread a little cheer around. And, or maybe it's when you, go, when you show up for that appointment, Instead of making excuses covering your hind end, you just explain what happened. You say, I'm, I'm, so, I'm concerned for you, and you get down to business. You're there to serve them. And the person sees a different kind of person, right? They see someone who has a different kind of, they're not just out to cover their own uh, bases, right? Here's someone who's a servant, right? Maybe that night, there's somebody in your world who's, call, you get a phone call at 8 o'clock, and somebody in your world just had real big heat. Child has died found drugs, and all of a sudden you find your heat was different, your thorns are different, but you've got something to say to that person. And there are consequences. We reap. Maybe you reap wisdom in your relationships. Maybe your counsel becomes effective. uh, These sorts of things. There, There are various kinds of... Maybe you don't get the sale, but at that moment you became a disciple of God in Christ because you became a changer for the first time in your life. For information about this resource and others like it, call Resources for Changing Lives at 1-800-318-2186 or visit us on the web at www.ccef.org. A CDR Communications Production.